Greetings of the day, everyone. It's Stump Day. We all know what that means. That means it's time for another episode of the Joypad Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Michael Pinto. I am joined with my three other co-hosts through the power of the internet. Michael Fleming, Megan, I won't say your last name. Thanks. Tom, I also won't say your last name because we, Fleming and I have to use our last names. Together we are Joypad. So let's go around the horn and talk about what we're drinking, our current state of feeling in the world, what we've been playing. Tom, let's start with you. What's what's going on, pal? Well, I am currently drinking a fine Guinness Draft beer, which you've seen disappear into my favorite image of Cory in the house. You're a... kind of disappearing into Cory in the <laughs> yeah. house as well. You know what? That's just fine. So I, I, uh, I'm just having a little fun this week uh, and decided to put up a background image of the Nintendo DS game version of Cory in the house um, because it used to be used a lot as a meme because Cory makes this awesome pose like, where he's got his arms <laughs> crossed and he's got a big old smile. I, I just think it's hilarious that uh, like tie-in shows like that get games um, with probably terrible content. I've never played the game, but I always thought they were funny. So I'm celebrating Core in the House this week. Uh, aside from that, uh, my wife and I just beat The Outer Worlds, which is really good. I really love that game. It's Basically, corporation is what what would happen if corporations greedily ran settlements in the expanses of space, um, and you got to be someone that could intervene with all of that. And delightfully, I got to blow the head off the chairman of the board, uh, as well as his adjutant in command, and it was just the best. <laughs> so uh, we're looking forward to starting The Last of Us 2 this weekend at some point, uh, which will certainly make me a sad panda. Yeah, keep us posted on that. Ugh, I will have things to say. Yeah, you're going to be all the words that end in AD. Sad. Mad. Bad. Glad. Chad. Mm, Chad. You're going to be a Chad. Yeah, you are. Uh, also, I'll have you know that Corey in the House has a 9.5 user score on Metacritic. What? That's awesome. Uh, but there are only two critic reviews, so there's no score yet. <laughs> are <laughs> they, waiting are two they, more reviews. <laughs> are they both named Brendan, and they're just like five-year-old kids are like, Corey was in my house. Um, five okay, stars. Here. IGN gave it a, th- a 30, I guess, maybe out of 100. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that is not exactly a glowing review. <laughs> and the Game Boys, uh, with a Z, uh, gave it a 40. It says, simply put, I cannot recommend Cory in the House for the DS, not even to the most hardcore fan of the TV series. <laughs> not even to the most hardcore Cory in the House <laughs> fan. I'm sorry, Cory in the House fans. You all deserve better. We'll we'll talk to Disney about a uh, a better remake later on. <laughs> Start the petition. I'm ready for it. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Change.org. Make Corey in the house great again. (laughs) Um, All right. So I'm going to throw it uh, from this point over to Megan. What have you been drinking? How are you feeling? What games have you been enjoying? Uh, I've been drinking lots of things. Most recently, some Pure Leaf Unsweet Tea. There's the camera. There's the look. Uh, It's delicious. My leafy, leafy water. Uh, I'm feeling okay, and I have been playing the new Paper Mario, and uh, I actually just started playing Grounded on the Xbox One the other night. It's a it's an Obsidian game to uh, follow up from 
I can't remember what we were just playing before. Outer Worlds. Wow, my brain. Oh, yeah. It went away. But yeah, uh, so Grounded, it's an it's an early access right now. It's a survival game. You, It's like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the game. Oh, you know what? I saw images of that. It's kind of cartoony looking, isn't it? Yeah, yep, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super cartoony. It's kind of buggy right now, and it keeps crashing, which is to be expected with early access. Uh, but I dig it. I came across some ants. Pinto reminded me of what happens in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids uh, <laughs> with the ant. And my heart hurt uh, because I apparently blocked that from my memory until recently. Much like, you know, uh, never ender- a never-ending story. Uh, so mm. you're welcome. But I like it. It's, it's cute. Uh, find a lot of supplies. Craft things. I don't really know how I was shrunk down to such a tiny little being. But uh, I'm interested to see where it goes. It, it reminds me a lot of We Happy Few when it started in early access. There wasn't really a whole big story around it. You had some missions, but you didn't really know the world or understand it too much. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping it kind of evolves like that game did in the final product. They don't care about you knowing the story. They just want you to find the bugs so they can exactly. fix it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get it. I get it for sure. And there are missions here and there. Like you come across like giant objects and it's like, investigate this. Find out why it's not working. Um, Meta robot. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Did you become friends with the robot? Uh, so far, one I had to kill. The other one I'm friends with. Why not so. friends with both? Why murder? Uh, it gave me no choice. He wasn't willing to negotiate. So, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Fleming, how no. are you doing? What are you drinking? And what are you playing these days? Uh, I'm feeling great. I have a new video set up for the YouTubes, people. It's party. Um, Thanks. And uh, I am drinking a bubbly sparkling water made by the uh, Pepsi company, I believe, as well as water in a topical Assassin's Creed Revelations cup Ooh. that I received from a coworker. Don't ask how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask if you've played that game. I haven't played that game. I've played no Assassin's Creed, actually. Um, was it like a situation where it's like, you play games? I found this thing. He he was like friends with someone who'd like marketed a lot of different stuff, oh, games, cool. all kinds of stuff. And he's like, "Hey, have you ever played Assassin's Creed? Like, would you like a cup? You know, I got a bunch of cups." I'm like, "Sure." And he gave me and my other coworker, who's like, "I'm never gonna play this game, uh, a cup." So that's kind of nice. what happened. But anyway, yeah. I mean, that's just that's just the cup I I found, um, <laughs> and I still have it after like nine years um, since he gave it to me. But uh, otherwise, I've been playing everyone's favorite War Selection quite a bit. Um, <laughs> been playing that. Uh, I finished Middle Earth: Shadow of War. Uh, like, kind of finished. I basically beat the whole story and finished eighty percent of the side missions. You can, it's a nonstop game. Like, you can you can uh, raid people's forts. You can do all kinds of stuff. So I've done some of that, but I'm kind of like done with the game. It's not really that difficult. Yeah. Um, and Tom, you mentioned, I think last week on the podcast, at least recently you mentioned it to me, um, that it gets very tough if you're up against like three to four captains. And that definitely happened to me, um, especially trying to raid people's forts where they have two bodyguards as well as the war chief. And like you're fighting potentially up to six war chiefs, plus all those, um, officers equivalent. So it was really good. It made me want to play some Dynasty Warriors or something like that, actually. Because I used to play a lot of Dynasty Warriors 3, I think. Um, and it kind of made me start thinking of those kind of games. So I might... I think I even may have 
bought but not yet played a Dynasty Warriors-esque game for the Switch that I have not touched yet. Um, I think there's something like that. so many of them now. Yeah, I know. Uh, especially on the Switch. Yeah, and I bought one I haven't played it yet. So I had to sneak uh, the Switch away from my wife uh, so I can get some time on it to play that. Um, but yeah, otherwise, um, that that's really all I've played in the past uh, week or two. Definitely lots of war selection. I I like finding new, new uh, RTS games, especially because like they're very competitive, and like when they're brand new. Like if you guys remember StarCraft Two when that came out, it no one knew anything. You know, no one knew how to play. So it was really cool. Like everyone's kind of making build orders. So I've definitely went up against some people that have some pretty strong builds in that game already, which is pretty cool. So and an even playing field is fun to start on in a competitive game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, where absolutely. if you enter it later on, everyone else kind of has an advantage. Absolutely, so. yeah. Um, the StarCraft, as of time recording, the StarCraft II uh, 10-year anniversary is going on right now, and I consider jumping back into it. I watch some of the higher-level competitive play, and I'm just like, no, that, they're very good now. <laughs> very, very good. Um, so definitely don't want to jump into that. So I've been enjoying a different RTS. Um, they just put out Russia, so, you know. Anyone oh, yeah. that's interested, it's like eight bucks to buy Russia, or you just play a lot and you can get Russia. So that's pretty cool. Anyway, uh, Pinto, back to you. What a, have you shared any of what you're playing yet? Did I miss that? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I I tossed it off rather quickly. You did. Um, the playman goes even, last. Yeah, I didn't even say what I'm drinking. Uh, I have a Golden Road Brewing Company Mango Wheat Ale, which I'm going to be trying. Because, um, as everyone knows, I'm a fan of the fruity beers. You are. Very much so. Sounds good. And, uh, so, let's give it a shot. Live reaction. It's pretty good. It's, ooh, it, why, did you, it's, why did you slurp that beer? Like, it sounded like you <laughs> slurped it. You don't slurp beer, my it friend. Was, it was off a can, right? You, you had a lid oh, yeah, on the it's lid. Off, it's a can. Okay. Yeah. It's a can. And also, that's for the benefit of our audio-only listeners. That is true. I haven't really been playing much. Most of my, I, I just got a new job and I smell like hot wings. So, um, hopefully they're the delicious. <laughs> yeah, the the two go together. I'm making nice. lots it's of hot driver. wings. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, so most of my time has been spent um, editing stuff for uh, this. Con- you know, editing Diablo videos that one. I swear one day they'll go up, and uh, <laughs> editing this podcast. So the only game I've really been playing has been War Selection. I haven't really gotten or had time to jump into much else lately. Well, while we're on the topic of War Selection, yes, we've all played it. We've all discussed it on this podcast. How have we not thrown out War Selection's greatest gift to all of us, which is the catchphrase of Dabumna? We have. We mentioned it last week. Dabumna. Did we mention it last we, week? We mentioned we it last week, yes, in, in passing. Um, but yes, well, it's a great future guy. me <laughs> salutes past me for celebrating Dabumna at that time and <laughs> continues to celebrate Dabumna today. Yeah. You, I think, in fact, you were the one that mentioned it. Not even, yep. I, not even I probably else. did. I'll probably do it again next week. And I'll be like, <laughs> guys, we're all playing War Selection. How we not talk about Dabumna for a minute? <laughs> um, Third yeah. time's a charm. I do this. I do this every time I talk about anything. I'm sorry. Go on. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the bumna. I'm gonna go back to kissing Corey in the house whenever I take a sip from my beer. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, that, that's that's <laughs> where I'm at. I don't have anything new and exciting to talk about gaming wise because I haven't been able to play many games recently. But uh, I am I am the topic boy for this week. You are. So, uh, I wanted to and recently. Uh, maybe not recently, because time's weird with this podcast. But at some point, we talked about what makes a good story. And I kind of wanted to piggyback off of that topic. And I want to talk about what makes a good antagonist in a game. Ooh. Like a good bad guy. Like, who are your, who are some of your favorite bad guys and why do you like them so much? You know, that sort of thing. I mean, typically, people are going to mention... Uh, and I'm just speaking of the general population of gamers. A lot of people like to fanboy over uh, Sephiroth, of course. I don't know. I He's cool, I guess. Kefka from Final Fantasy VI is one of my personal favorites. I think... I don't know. It's weird because when I think of a good antagonist, I like to think of their motivations, which you should do with any sort of character. That's why in games like... Final Fantasy 9 for instance by the way guys spoilers everywhere so Final Fantasy 9 the main protagonist is Kuja you encounter him in disc 1 you get to the end of disc 4 you fight him but then out of nowhere comes like the real final boss who's never referenced at all in the entire game and I'm just like I don't like that I, I hate when games do that when there's just like an out of field big big bad that you don't know about and you're like well this doesn't do anything for me yeah final so fantasy 8, 8 kind of that. did that yeah, 8 does that too yeah and doesn't um doesn't final fantasy tactics do that too if i remember right like you don't really get introduced no to... i t- i totally disagree with final fantasy well tactics. i'm trying to remember um, I, I haven't played in a little while but so wasn't the, the end kind of like the fu- well the final boss of final fantasy tactics is saint ajora yeah uh, who you read about basically the entire game um, so you kind of learn the mythos of Saint Ajora as you go, and it basically flips the myth of like a, a sort of Christianity Christ-like script and uh, the idea that this was some savior of humanity and he's actually like a destroyer of humanity. Yeah, and it's your job to kind of like stop him. So I, I, I would say he's not very out of left field. I think it, I think you're probably more Fleming referring to the fact that you don't encounter Saint Ajora at all yeah. in the game until the very well, end. Well, it's like um, Sephiroth though too. You you know a lot of the Final Fantasy Square games in general, you often have someone who is your initial antagonist, and that person or that group is like, I'm just going to describe it as Disc One. And then as time goes on, things change and you learn that someone who, you know, you don't want to call man like someone who's else in the game ends up being the the bad guy, right? Something yeah. in the shadows, so like, right? Yeah, something in the shadows. That's a great way to describe it. So like six, two, Kefka is, he's there and he's a crazy guy, but like you don't find out he's the real bad guy until effectively yeah. halfway through the game, the end of the world. You know, on the the thing when he kills the emperor, right? Doesn't he? He's right. always an yeah. He's, he's always, always an antagonist, antagonist but he's never the lead antagonist until that moment. And Sephiroth, he doesn't. I mean, Final Fantasy VII remake aside, spoilers. You know, he's there and he does some bad things, but like he's not this. He's not the same. You know, until it's Shinra when, at first. Yeah, it's Shinra. Yeah, Sephiroth 
is seen as a pretty bad guy from the beginning, like a very powerful bad guy from the beginning, though, because he just straight up murders everyone in that Shinra building. <laughs> yeah, he does. But like, arguably, that's what you know the um, the good guys, ad- yeah, the good guys that want the, to do that too, right? I mean, we talked about and well, we're doing a lot of throwbacks, but we talked about the scene in Final Fantasy VII remake between Barrett and uh, the president of Shinra and how like that was a little bit strange, you know, considering how much Barrett had gone through up to that point. It's almost like he was the primary antagonist and Sephiroth just then is almost like on your side. He just kind of took it, you know, an extra step that Barrett in that moment at least was not willing to do. Yeah, he's just very mysterious, kind of, at that point in the game. And that's basically how it is in the original version of Final Fantasy VII as well. It's just, he's kind of a mysterious character, you know, he's connected to Cloud's past, um, and he just shows up and kills people in the Shinra building and disappears. Again, taking the low-hanging fruit from Final Fantasy VII tree, or not Final Fantasy VII, but just Final Fantasy in general, um, Kane is a really good antagonist in uh, Final Fantasy IV. And I, I say that is the case because of the dynamic that the game establishes early and perpetuates as it goes on, which is Kane is your friend. He is Cecil's like best friend in the world, um, but he's also very jealous of him and wants his wife Rosa. So... He continues to kind of give in to his own more baser desires and uh, darker side as Cecil does the opposite and embraces the lighter side of himself and turns from being a dark knight into a paladin. So that game does a nice job of kind of the almost like yin-yang relationship with the two of them Um, and the constant kind of struggle of I want to win my friend back. What do I have to do and how long can I fight that battle? Um, and that, you know, it's another game that does that sort of thing where you start off with a big bad who's Golbez, who's out destroying crystals. And then later on, Golbez is your buddy friend and you find out he's what Cecil's dad or something. I forget. Half brother, I think. There's some kind of relation there. Yeah. It's been a long time since I played that game. There's a moon man named Fusoya who casts spells. He's from the moon. Yeah, he comes out of nowhere, man. Yeah. I'm from the moon and I have a beard. Here's some magic. Also, you're flying a whale. Lunarians. My my favorite antagonist, though, of all time. Corey from Corey in the House. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can't I can't look at you drink anymore. I just I know. I'm just I'm just giving him little kisses time, on the but... cheek. It's hilarious. I love it. Uh, uh, Pinto, what about like to step away from Final Fantasy VII, there, there are uh, Final Fantasy. Excuse me. There, I don't want to say overdone, but like most people can kind of know where we would go with that. Um, how about some of your more Resident Evil like games? Um, so like I didn't I mean, play a lot of them, but I did play Code Veronica, if I remember right, years and years ago, and that was a strange. <laughs> uh, the game. Ashfords. Yes. Yeah, that's a weird one. That's the Ashfords weird one. Are, are weird antagonists see that it's kind of weird because like recently i played the resident evil 3 remake and the big bad in that game is nikolai who is very much like dosvidania i am evil russian i like money and it's just very stereotypical so like i was just kind of like eh whatever 
There was the other guy, Tyrell, who I was convinced was either going to be a turncoat or was going to die at some point in the game, or possibly both. Uh, he just ended up dying. I don't know. It's it's weird to think about like an antagonist in a survival horror game because yeah. usually it's just kind of like ooh spooky monsters because mm-hmm. environment. Think, yeah, it's usually if you think a corporation about, or something. Yeah, umbrella. <laughs> if you take like Silent Hill two, everyone's going to be like, oh well, Pyramid Head. It's like yeah, yeah but no. What like, personality? Yeah, like. Pyramid Head is just a monster that's a manifestation of James' messed up psyche. I almost cursed real bad right there. Uh, <laughs> but heck like, heck. Yeah, yeah, heckin' butts. Pyramid Head is an antagonist, but he's more like a means to an end as an antagonist. Uh, I do want to mention Earthbound. Uh, Gygus is like the evil big bad but again you don't see gigas until the end of the game and the end of that game is extremely strange and like full of very weird imagery that people dive very deeply into about it like okay has anyone played earthbound here yeah i played some of it i've never beaten it i've probably gotten to like five town whatever it's called um in in one of them i know they're all just named after numbers yeah um but they're they're trippy trippy games well what happens is at like the end of the game when you go to the final encounter you have to go back in time but your physical bodies can't go back in time so the four main characters have their minds put into robots so they can travel back in time to go defeat gigas there's a lot of theories about, like, the environment is very, like, organic and full of meat tubes and stuff like that. And there's a lot of, like, birth imagery. And they're like, oh, you're basically going back in time to uh, cause an abortion so that Gygus is never born. And then when you're fighting Gygus, Ness's face shows up as Gygus, so you're like, what's the relationship there? And none of it's ever really explained, so... Sounds like Earthbound. It's a really, really weird game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a it's a trip, that game. So, you know, I, I would definitely suggest playing it if you can. It's on the SNES Classic, right, Megan? Yeah. I'm not yeah, Megan, it but is. it definitely is. Yeah. That was fun. I threw my voice. <laughs> I was possessed by the spirit of Megan for a minute. Ha <laughs> ha! Hold on, I'm going to make you kiss Corey in the house. Oh, God, I hate it. I hate it. hate it. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite thing. I'm going to do this every week now. So I so we've talked about a few where, like, it's, uh, you know, oh, you're fighting this bad guy, but surprise, is that bad guy. One game that doesn't do it, that we've all played and we've all talked about, and Pinto, I know at least you and I would probably say it's one of our top five RPGs would be Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger totally does that. Well, like, no, I, I don't I don't agree. Like, Lavos is throughout the whole game. Yeah, but they, they make you think that Magus is the big bad. Yeah, that's true. But, like, I don't think, like, he's he's arguably, like, calling the big bad way earlier on, though. Like, that's not that far into the game, maybe a third of the way in the game, where he's calling arguably the bigger bad. You know, it's like, uh, you know... 
Peter Pettigrew versus uh, Voldemort, you know, kind of calling situation where, like, you know, there's a bad guy, but he's not really the bad guy. So, like, I, I don't think of it the same way. And, you know, the whole time you're, um, maybe not the whole time, but, like, you go prehist- or you go to the um, 2300 AD and you learn pretty early on in the game that Lavos is going to destroy the world unless you stop it. You know, so I... I don't think of it as the same. You always know that Lavos is effectively the big bad. You just think that stopping Magus is going to stop it. Well, exactly. Well, I, I think the way Chrono Trigger works, it kind of puts you in a position to think that there is no real way to stop Lavos without stopping his initial kind of inception. Almost like the idea of, of Earthbound, where you have to go back and stop the creation. So I think, you know, it, it kind of puts Magus in the kind of cult of, La- priest priest of the cult of Lavos kind of seat for you, you know what I mean? Where he's the guy that's trying to summon the big bad, so he therefore is the, you know, uh, the champion of the big bad and therefore must be stopped. Because there's not really much personality to Lavos. No, there's not. He's all, his story is almost more the antagonist than him, you know, I'm describing Lavos as a him, than him himself. Um, so you're, you're right about that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to undercut you. Like no, that. you didn't undercut me. I, I just, I don't feel, I never felt the same because I, I mean, I'm going back to when I was, what, like 10 years old, if not younger, when we played that initially. But I always felt that um, while Magus was bad and, and arguably the guy you need to stop, I guess I kind of assumed that he was going to either be successful or that Lavos would somehow return anyway. Um, I guess the time setup kind of makes it so that he has to, right? Because yeah. you kind of see him at one point in time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you always kind of see Lavos coming. I mean, the shadow looms large. I, I think my problem with some antagonists like that, like a Lavos Big Bad or, you know, some things like that, is that there's not much... And, and in Chrono Trigger, there is some backstory put into Lavos, like the idea of them harnessing his energy in the, the highly advanced technological mm-hmm. cloud city, the name of which I forget. Um, oh but there's not, there's not <laughs> much... Zeal. Yeah, Zeal. No. Yeah. Is it Zeal? Yeah. It is? Huh? You played it more recently than me, I guess. Uh, I didn't remember. I, I thought that, that that was something called something different. I remember the word Zeal, though. Yeah. Anyway. There's, there's just not a whole lot of, like... I mean, there's not a whole lot of data about what Lavos really is, except an entity that's destroying time and space. If if I were to throw it away from the JRPG arena, um, some antagonists that I really um, love have definitely come out of games like Mass Effect, or particularly mm, yeah. from the Quantic Dream games. Um, Heavy that. Rain, I think, you know, while there is... Yeah. There's definitely a twist in that oh, yeah. game. But the antagonist of that game, and, and I think for me, this is a thread that really perpetuates through good antagonists. They're people that the game makes you sympathetic towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be either before or after they reveal their bad intentions. Oh, you guys can't see my face right now. Just I'm smiling so big because Tom's going to be playing The Last of Us too soon. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that game <laughs> so ellie goes around killing everyone because she's i mean you're not wrong it's not false <laughs> <laughs> um ellie's I, I got balls out. of steel no but it, balls I, of steel. I think we could even 
without getting too much hate, say that Joel is a villain. He's a bad yeah. guy. It's all perspective. Yeah. So, I I, I don't think he's necessarily an, an antagonist. No. He's a man who makes tough choices. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sacrifices and I, thousands there, of yeah. lives by saving Ellie. There's a huge yeah. difference between 100%. antagonists and a complicated character. Um, or uh, there's another word I'm looking for, but I'll just go with that. Flawed? Like, like a conflicted hero. Yeah, conflicted hero. Yeah, yeah. Conflicted yeah. hero because, like, you're... Tragic hero. You are rooting for him in that whole game. You're rooting for right. him and Ellie and their relationship that whole game. So, like, it's it's not the same as an antagonist, you know? Yeah. That game actually really never gets... The Last of Us 1 never really gets an antagonist, you know, to the yeah. extent of... Of like some of the JRPGs we mentioned, right? Um, and I feel like there's actually there's um, I forget who it, it was, but I'm sure plenty of people have talked about it. There's actually talk of like the death of an antagonist, where like yeah. you don't have a person who is like big bad evil through and through. You have more complicated characters like Magus from Chrono Trigger or something like that, where like they are not themselves necessarily bad. There's things in their history or their past that make them in some way redeemable or in some way understandable at minimum. Like the whole Maleficent um, from, I always would bring up Disney uh, things, but like Maleficent from Disney, they put out a a movie about her to explain her backstory, even though she was just a big bad before it. It's, It's stuff like that where like people feel they can't have someone who's just evil throughout anymore as much. Well, I, I, and I think that's, good storytelling because i think for the most part it makes things almost comical from more literary analysis standpoint when there's a character whose motivation is pure evil for the most part people don't just start off as pure evil and just do evil things because it's fun right um, except <laughs> well it's, maybe it's, except it's Kafka. there's that's my that's my point in the past 20 years you have seen more and more death of just that pure evil and, and you know insanity character. Um, you don't see that as much anymore. Yeah, it, the Heath Ledger Joker is probably like the last yeah. real big one there, and people went crazy over that. They just absolutely loved that character. I, I love Joker uh, as a character, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, any any antagonist, I would put in an exceptional camp is going to be one that I wouldn't call that kind of classical cartoonish, you know, Skeletor of a, of an antagonist. Um, you know, I was thinking too of no Rami Malek's character. That's the guy I always yeah. confuse yeah. Sam Raimi and Rami Malek uh, <laughs> until dawn. Two yeah, and, people, yeah. I know yeah, uh, and, Josh, and, and until dawn and until yeah. dawn where, you know, that game. Yes. Is, makes no bones about him having trouble, you know, kind of from the start. And it mm-hmm. explains why. And, um, you know, then you come to find out why he has some sort of, you know, treacherous designs. Um, now, there, you know, it's another game where the script gets flipped at a certain point and it no longer follows the original kind of antagonistic path. Mm-hmm. But he is a character that you build sympathy towards because you understand what people put him through beforehand. Uh, and then when he exacts, you know, his revenge, which is meant to be a prank, but can go horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. It's a great um, game. <laughs> that's a, it's a great game. You know, you, you kind of understand it 
And yeah. even though he's kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, yeah, you feel for it. You under you understand it. There's a psychological component to it, and it's just more interesting to me when it's when that's the case. You know, kind of. Kind of the same with Willem Dafoe's character in uh, Beyond Two Souls. You build sympathy towards him because he's almost a paternal figure mm-hmm. in, uh, I forget the main character's name, but in her life. Uh, and then... Uh, Ellen Page? Yeah, well, <laughs> I I know Ellen Page's name. I forget the name of the, the character in the game. Um, but, you know, later on when he's trying to do all that he does because he wants to get his family back, you understand that motivation and even though you don't agree with his actions, they have a, a cause. They have a, a root in, um, you know, the movements of the world compared to Kefka, who just wants to burn things down. But I like Kefka. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I think to your point, Tom, Heavy Rain is a great example without spoiling that game because everyone should play it and experience it, you know, without... Um, anything ruined that's great um i mean resident evil you have wesker i don't think many of the resident evil games can be touted for like great storytelling yeah that's true because it's just it's so out of sometimes left field or so bizarre but i mean i do understand what you're saying but it's just kind of like Wesker's like, Blarg, I'm dead. And it's like, haha, no, I'm not. Also, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I guess I'll shoot you. Cool. Blah, blah. Blah, blah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of like um, good villains from games like Fallout or, or um, you know, even the Outer Worlds. I wouldn't even say there's really great antagonists yeah. in those games. They're much more stereotypical. Um, and I, I think that's a little bit counter to what I really see as a great antagonist. Though, I will say, I, again, I took great, great joy in just blasting the head off that adjutant. Like, she was like, hey, we need you to go poison Edgewater. It's for the good of uh, this entire colony because we're running out of food. So yeah. go do this for us. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'd rather not. And she said... And then she goes, well, I have all the guards here, and I have all the cards here, so you're going to do it. And I said, <laughs> no, I'm not. And then she pulled out a pistol, and I pulled out a <laughs> shotgun, and it didn't nice. end well for her. <laughs> I love that game so much. I need to finish it. So good. So good. Did you um, really do? Did you guys ever beat, like, actually, I know um, a lot of people said they never actually beat the story, but did you ever beat Skyrim? Like, the actual no. story? No. No, no, I I didn't. So, you know what? The funny thing is, to me, the real story of Skyrim is the Civil War side yep, quest. I agree. And as soon as I beat that, I didn't care about the dragons. Well, so the 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 story of that with Alduin, Alduin, whatever exactly his name is, um, you know that like that's kind of a an example of like a great game. Arguably, I would say most people probably put it within at least the top twenty-five, if not top ten of the decade um and that game is not like it has a lot of i would say mini antagonists like alduin never really stood out as a a crazy um evil bad even though he was supposed to come and destroy the world um and uh, i was thinking about like gta 5 for example too another arguably top 25 game of the decade 
never really like there's multiple bad people throughout that whole game you know? uh your main characters are bad people well, travis yeah yeah and travis ultimately well at the trevor. end of it yeah trevor, oh, trevor, that's trevor. It, sorry trevor it's been it's been years since i've played that game. well oh, buy it on the trevor. ps5 okay yeah <laughs> i have it for free on the epic games and Thank i'm sure we'll much. get skyrim on the five so you know yeah. there's always another opportunity <laughs> So that, that's where I'm coming from. Like some of the greatest games, uh, Last of Us Part One, one of the greatest games. They all don't really have that antagonist who stands out like a, a Kefka you know, or, or a Sephiroth. You know, so it's just a very different type of game. But I still think a good antagonist makes a game better. Absolutely, I, I, I do. I think motivation matters, but like, you know, I brought I brought up Mass Effect briefly before, and in the original Mass Effect, you have Saren and um oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the name of of the Reaper, but um they from the very beginning are the bad actors and you're kind of like in their footsteps chasing them down trying to save colonies, which is cool and you're trying to find out why they're doing what they're doing. That matters because he's a secret agent gone rogue for like the intergalactic government so you have to find out and finding out is part of like the joy of the game and even though there's like a little bit of like a surprise in the fact that you know saren's really more of a puppet than the the mastermind they're still in it together sovereign that's the name of the reaper Uh, but they're they're still in it together and it's still you know the same motivation which is just that the reapers do this every number of cycles they're controlling the population they're making sure that like organic species never get too strong and then it just sets up more mystery from there and they just remain these looming large figures over the rest of the the series um and it was just it's interesting to have um, a big bad like that that comes from the same sort of background as your main character, which is Shepard, who decided to choose, um, you know, what's viewed as the evil in that game compared to the good of taking care of, you know, the, the people of the, the galactic civilization. Um, and uncovering motivation and then working to counter that motivation, uh, it's strong. I mean, there's the concept of a, a foil in literature which is just you know the the anti-hero that exposes the more positive qualities of the hero um and i that is somewhat neglected in games like skyrim because you don't have that mirror you don't have something being held up to show your own character so rant tom just likes to talk about mass effect (laughs) Uh, I wanted to mention, uh, I think we've all played San Andreas, correct? Grand Theft Auto oh, yeah. San Andreas. Oh, uh, <laughs> Here Officer we go again. Ken Penny. Oh, I hated him. Beautifully portrayed by Samuel L. Jackson, first of all. But that game establishes right off the bat, Officer Ken Penny is the big bad, and he disappears at multiple points throughout the game. But every time he shows up, it's just a reminder that CJ, the protagonist, is under his thumb. And the entire point of that game is to just get rid of Tenpenny. And you kind of forget about it sometimes with all the extra stuff that you do. It's like, oh, I'm going to switch sit switch cities and go like start a garage. And then Tenpenny shows up and he's like, yeah, I'll take that, thanks. It's the entire game, and every time he shows up, you're like, oh, I hate you. 
<laughs> yeah. I hate you so much. And that, I, I feel like that's really the only Grand Theft Auto game that has an antagonist like that. Because, like, in all the others, it's just, like, a revolving door of, of higher-ups. Like, you kill a big bad... You kill who you think is the bad guy, and then it's like, oh, well, here's the bad guy's boss, and you end up working for him until you take him down, and then you gotta fight his boss. And it just keeps escalating until you hit the end of the yeah. game. Or, like, three where you didn't even talk at all. <laughs> yeah, Claude Speed. Yeah. That, that's, that's your character's name. No one knew that until San Andreas, but your name is Claude, which... <laughs> It's just a bad no one would have bought in on yeah. that. Come on now. Oh god, Tom totally disappeared into Corey for a second. Did, yeah. did I? Yeah. I bet, did. I become <laughs> one with Corey in the house. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other, um, you know, good categories uh, with and then, good antagonists. I also wanted to say, Fleming, what you were talking about, where like there are those games that we mentioned that there's no real antagonist. And I think the the point of those games is it's more about journey than destination. Yeah. Like, that's really what The Last of Us is. It's all just oh, one yeah. big Absolutely. journey. You know? A game like, ha, huh, coincidentally, Journey, which I don't know if any of you have played. I think it's, it's phenomenal. It's an indie game. It's, like, I think it's on PC now, actually. But there's no antagonist in that entire game. There's also no speaking in that entire game. But it's just really well done, and it tells a story that it's, again, all about the journey. There's no real conflict at all, even. I would say it's easier to write a good protagonist than it is an antagonist. Um, because, yes, definitely. you know, we've mentioned a couple different people. So let's take, like, Kefka, who's, like, absolutely insane. You do that every time, or you do that in certain worlds... It just doesn't work very well, you know, whereas in that game, it just it happened to work and work well. Um, and, and I think it's it's very hard for people to find where I'm trying to explain why this antagonist is not a bad person versus I'm absolutely insane. It's hard to kind of go between those where like you get at least some motivation of why they're doing what they do. Um Without just hitting a point of, of uh, you know, of one of the extremes that I mentioned. Well, I, I think that's interesting. I mean, I, I think to one thing we've kind of skirted around here, which just kind of occurred to me is, uh, at least in my mind, often the best antagonists are not all powerful characters. Um, they're characters who have a power level similar to the main character. And often when you get further along in the game, you get to a point where, you know, there's a new super big bad because there has to be something that poses a ridiculously strong threat to a character that has amassed an absurd amount of power by that point, basically. You know, just, just thinking about, you know, Kefka, I mean, Kefka undergoes a transformation to become the godlike being that he is. He's a strong character up until that point, but once you get past that, he goes off the charts right with lavos and magus it's the same thing magus has a power level that's always just a little bit above kind of where chrono and friends are and lavos is just the unopposable end of the world what you know and, and i'm not opposed to the um unavoidable end of the world super god kind of bad guy but i think having a antagonist with a similar power level 
um, creates a more realistic threat. And I think that becomes a point of interest because you have something to, to compare yourself to. Uh, you have an opponent you can measure yourself against in the face of the immeasurable. So I think that um, I think that is a good kind of spirit for an antagonist. Uh, and if you can find a way to make that sort of antagonist carry all the way to the end and be the final kind of you know alleged big bad, if your game needs a big bad, it works out nicely because then you also have a relatable personality that's flipped the script that you're doing that ultimate battle with and it becomes sort of poetic no i mean you you raise a good point and like that that's definitely true that the characters we talk about that are the you know primary antagonist at least at the start they often do not have um, insane powers there's some kind of um extra factor that gives them that bonus power or in the case of someone like magus they never get there you have to go with someone else who's going to have the the ridiculously high power it's a very valid point and i think for me i don't don't like when there's too many antagonists unless it's something more world driven like something like skyrim you know where you're you're going through multiple antagonists throughout it because there's different storylines in it um but if you're going through something like a jrpg um most rpg games i don't really like when they go and say oh this guy was the bad guy for this long but now all of a sudden you know it's not um the the bad guy it kind of is like okay another another one of these you almost get like fatigue over it it's Um, it's dragon ball z syndrome right where they're just kind of like you know vegeta's (laughs) the super bad guy for a long time then he's a good guy and then android 18's a super bad guy and then she marries krillin (laughs) like you know (laughs) there's always a bigger badder guy around the corner um villain of the week syndrome is kind of what they they call that in some situations in the situations of a skyrim and stuff like that I think a lot of the antagonists become larger entities. So rather than it being one specific person, it's really more like this nation is kind of like an antagonistic nation or like this cult is, is the antagonistic group. Um, and you do lose something in not having the face of the franchise in those situations. Um, Fallout 4 did a pretty good job with that, where you actually had the face of the Institute as mm-hmm. spoiler alert, the vault dweller's son, um, which was a good motivation and yeah. brought you closer to that character. But ultimately you had to grapple with the decisions that were being made there. And for me, it wasn't that hard a choice because you didn't see your kid until, well, years and years and years later. And the last time you saw him was a frozen baby. So. <laughs> you, know, you know what's great about this conversation? And I, I don't want to say I'm almost like a side comment, mostly for, for Megan and, and Pinto for your benefit. Um, Tom, I can't wait to see who you describe as the antagonist of The Last of Us 2. Um, I can't that wait. That excited. Some of your comments is going to be very interesting um, to me. Uh, so I'm excited to see what you think about the game. Um, I'm excited too. I've had all these weeks of anticipation, especially with you guys um, already discussing it and then having your opinions about what my opinions that, are going to be. Because <laughs> well, that, game, that game would bring up a very interesting conversation around antagonists. Um, but... But anyway, that, that's just a, a quick side note, because that's partially why, for our viewers, why we have probably not mentioned that where we mentioned the first game. What? Yes. <laughs> well, I think, it, and I'm interested to hear what you guys think, too, uh, regarding 
um, antagonists and protagonists, I think the best situations are ones where the morality of the situation is ambiguous. Yeah, I think that's probably what you're going to get out of The Last of Us 2, given that I haven't played it yet. Um, and I think that's fine. Um, I, I really kind of like those situations where it's not clear cut whether or not you're doing the right thing. Um, and I think it makes for a better story, honestly, because you have to make a hard choice and you're not sure whether or not it's going to be the right one. Yeah, that that's why I think we all like, you know, the Quantic Dream games so much, where it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. Uh, or like even Infamous kind of had that. Infamous was yeah. a lot more cut and dry when it came to like your moral choices. It's like, there's a guy hanging from his feet from a light pole. Do you want to rescue him or do you want to punch him and steal his money? It's like, well, there's, <laughs> I mean, you're not, you're not giving me many options here, sucker punch. Like, oh, yeah. Lunch uh, money, save a life. Lunch money, save a life. Though I have to say, uh, the final choice at the end of Infamous Two definitely made me like, ah. When you choose one of the endings that you think is the good ending, and then you end up killing your best friend, and you're like, oh my god, everything's terrible. <laughs> but I actually, that's a really interesting example, too, because in that game, like Infamous 2 particularly, at the end of the game, the choice you make turns your character into the antagonist, basically. Mm. It's been a long time since I've played it. But I I kind of want to play it again now. I've played the first one and I've played some of Second Son, but I haven't played Infamous Two, so I'd, I'm I, not. I'm out of loop. I think Infamous Two is my favorite, personally. I I would believe that. I really like the the powers of like Infamous One and Two, and I liked kind of the characters. Not that I don't like the characters of Second Son, but I I don't know. I didn't feel as like connected to them right away. Megan, do you have any any good examples? I mean, have you guys played the Bioshock series? Yes. Yes. Love it. Andrew Ryan, Father Comstock. Oh, right. Terrible, terrible people. <laughs> uh, th- see, they seem kind of cartoony to me in their villainousness. Yeah. Still, not that they're bad. No, not that they're no. bad villains. Um. I, I like a lot of the story that they go into with them, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, especially think, with Infinite and Father Comstock. Oh my god. Infinite was crazy. It was. It really um, was. How mind-blowing is it at the end when you just start going through Atlas and you're like, <laughs> oh! <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. No, I, I mean, not to like beat Final Fantasy into the ground. Um, I, I liked the idea of, of Ject. Uh, in Final Fantasy X, you had this, you know, this man, this legend, this, you know, ultimate blitzball player, Titus's father, who went missing. And he was just a dick. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He sucked. <laughs> well, they they softened him up a little bit yeah. as you went on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I thought was good. Um, I, I, I liked that. Actually, that's even a case where I kind of like Sin. Yeah. And, like, the Summoners as kind of antagonists, because whole way along they don't really tell you about the ultimate sacrifice that has to happen mm-hmm. or that the uh, the champion of the summoner becomes the final aeon um 
or that you have to fight the hell out of <laughs> Braska's final Aeon, which is jacked. Uh- <laughs> yeah, that game actually had like quite a few twists in it. Yeah, it's just I played it so much that I've kind of become like inured to them. But I guess the first time I played it, I was like, "Huh." All of a sudden, a lot of things that they were saying early on make sense. Because there are a lot of, like, offhand comments and beating around the bush in, like, the first half of the game until you find out what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh. Yeah, a-, a lot of people tend to hate on Final Fantasy X, but it's one of my favorite stories in yeah. Final Fantasy. And it's very deep. I mean, it, it has its own religion, and mm-hmm. the entirety of Spira is just so different from anything you see in any other Final Fantasy game. Um, it's culturally rich. Um, it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I love Final Fantasy X. It has a, a very warm place in my heart. <laughs> I need to play Final Fantasy X on, because you guys talk about them quite a bit, and I feel so left out because I've not played I mean, any of them after. We, only really, we really only talk about 10. We're like, yeah. thir- <laughs> no, 12 true. is like, Bleh. and 13 is like, eh. Yeah. 15, yeah. I mean, I, I really like 15. Yeah, I liked 15. I don't care for 15. But I, it, it's not necessarily from a story standpoint. I just never really got into the story as far as I got. I just couldn't handle the driving. That's so fair. That, that's, that's just me. That's okay. Now that now that we mentioned it, I actually did like the antagonist in 15 as well. I can't remember his name. Uh, Fedora Man? That bodes well. Yeah, Fedora Man. Yeah. Arden? God, what was his name? Is that his name? Arden. Yes, thank you. It was Arden. Yeah. <laughs> I know this from my mobile Fedora game. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... He kind of starts off, like, helping your party, yeah. but you're like, I don't know about you, dude. Who is this mystery you're... man? Yeah, you seem a little sketch. You're you're leading me straight into Sketchtown, aren't you? <laughs> and then he does, and you're like, ah, uh... you. You. Sketchy boy. <laughs> um, I, you know... Not that it comes up that often, but I like a lot of the games where the antagonist is kind of the main character, too, where it's a lot of the inner conflict that really kind of pushes things along in that situation, or, you know, where you you start to see yourself in a different light. Um, I I don't think it's the best example, but I think Cecil in Final Fantasy IV is kind of an interesting opening because you just start off as a soldier doing the king's bidding, and soon enough, you are accidentally bombing a town full of innocent people and start questioning everything. Um, so little moments like that I, I really appreciate. And I don't think they're really classical antagonists, but just something I appreciate about inner conflict. Another uh, not antagonist, but something I enjoyed as a little kid was the Pokemon series with Gary Oak. Who is not an antagonist, but is your rival, and you must defeat him at the end. What's his name yeah. again? Gary Oak. I can't say the other part that I want to say, but Gary the Oak. Professor, the professor doesn't remember his name. as my little... Yeah. <laughs> my, uh, I just like that Gary somehow gets ten badges when there's only eight badges available. <laughs> you know what? Gary, Gary. is awesome. I love Gary. <laughs> But yeah, that, I mean, just that that kind of, I, I don't have great examples um, off the top of my head, but ones where, you know, there's a rival and he's arguably the bad person, but he's not bad in his own right. He's just going about his He's just your competition. Yeah, he's just your competition, exactly. So like that, 
is one. Probably a lot of those like games where you gather skill over time. Um, maybe some kind of other sport-ish kind of games would be something similar. I'm trying to think oh. of examples, but they probably there probably are examples, and I'm just not thinking of them. Where like Eric and Tony Hawk's Underground. Yeah, thank you. I knew that I was going to say a skateboarding Shark game, but face. I didn't want to be like skateboarding game. You're like, no, that never happened. But something like that, where like you have a rival, they're not a bad person. It's just that you, as part of like inherent to the game, want to defeat them. So yeah, like that's another interesting rival where they're they're not a bad person in any way necessarily. They're just you know they're a competition. I heard he kicks puppies. Oh. Gary would probably get kick puppies. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to bring up, this is not an example of what Fleming was talking about, but one of my favorite antagonists from the point of just being a pure jerk is um, Arcturus Mengsk from the StarCraft oh, games. Oh, God. <laughs> he, He's an antagonist. I mean... The, oh, yeah, I know. Okay. But I just mean, like... He has no redeemable uh, He's not qualities. competition. He is just a pure, like, antagonist. That game goes through so many antagonists. Through Because, I mean, it's it's such a weird game, but you've got, you know, the... Um, uh, the allied... Where, where are the, the, Amer- the planet Earth? The UED. Yeah, UED. I couldn't remember. United it. Earth Director. Thank you. I couldn't United find Erectile it. Dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, them. I mean, Kerrigan, obviously, is an antagonist, but kind of root for her, and she's a protagonist at certain points of the games. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very complicated, especially Brood Wars, a very complicated series. I mean... There's a, there's a lot of factions yeah, going on. Yeah, you never, like... Almost everybody in that becomes an antagonist at some point. Almost or a hero. Almost. Except for I mean, Jimmy. You know, Jimmy really and like Zeratul are arguably two good people. Well, it's interesting in that game, too, how you kind of have a nothing but negative perception of the Zerg to begin with. And, you know, they corrupt Kerrigan. And then by the time you get to the campaign where you're able to play as the Zerg and you have the idea of the liberation from the Overmines and stuff like that it's different <laughs> yeah there's it's not a, there's pure a, contempt there's a lot of revolving door going yeah. on in uh antagonists in starcraft but i think mensk the minute he yeah. shows like his true colors you're like that guy needs yeah to go. i mean even before he shows his true colors you start to get kind of inklings of of a character who's dark you know yeah who's almost in it more for himself than for the good of the others, you know, in that area. So that's a good one. That's actually a very good one. Um, let's not talk that's, about StarCraft Two, though. <laughs> that's a Zerglin feller. Amon, Amon. All right, we're not talking about StarCraft Two. Uh, we're actually just about out of time. But does anyone have any last uh, little mentions that they have? I don't. I, I hope that. Uh, benefit. I hope that everyone that can, you know, listens to the podcast, whether on YouTube. Or on the various podcasting sites we're on, can give out some good antagonists for us to look into. That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, who are we missing? <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm sure we're missing so tons many. Of people. There's, there's so many games out there with antagonists. Tell, tell Corey in the house who he should fear. I just want to drop a quick uh, Shao Kahn in there from Mortal Kombat. Uh, Shinnok was kind of interesting too in like the later Mortal Kombat's interesting. Yeah, uh... isn't it? Isn't it interesting how we can talk about a fighting game and there's real like character developments in them? I'm the the late the re, ever since Mortal Kombat has been rebooted, the story's been great. Hmm. Just want to say that. 
Yeah, ever since they finally started like trying to put a story into it, honestly, they've they've done a pretty decent job with it. Even yeah. like Soul Calibur, I think, has interesting villains and antagonists. Uh, I've probably talked to death about how much I love Soul Calibur, <laughs> also. But you know, there are conflicted heroes there as well. I mean, Ivy for sure being kind of like a an alchemist in search of. Uh, all the truths there with finding the soul edge and stuff like that, but also doing villainous things in order to remain uh, in her prime in order to get it. So, yeah, I I think there's all kinds of interesting things there. All right, well, I think it's about time to wrap it up then. If you like what you heard, please consider giving us a follow on all of our social medias, which include Facebook, Instagram, and hopefully Twitter at JoyPadPod. And also you can follow us on YouTube at JoyPad. Uh, I think that's about it. If you're a video game critic, go out and rate Cory in the House for Nintendo DS. Mm -hmm. It is missing one final crucial rating in order to be officially scored on Metacritic. (laughs) Tom, I think you should do it. (laughs) I I only count for for music reviews. Oh, all right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for giving us your time. We appreciate it very much. Uh, what's what's our sign-off, Tom, if you would please? Stay joyful! Bye! Bye! Bye. <laughs>